Anyone who listens to the show knows that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes into running an accommodations business. Whether it's a hotel or short-term rental property, preparing, maintaining, and communicating with guests and employees is the name of the game. That's where Breezeway's best-in-class property care and operations platform comes in. Their easy-to-use tools help you automate, coordinate, and communicate with guests and staff in a seamless way. Plus, Breezeway integrates with over 30 PMS and IoT devices, meaning you can easily harness data to enable your staff, make work more efficient, build better schedules, improve quality assurance, harness guest texting, provide comprehensive owner reporting, and so much more. If you're looking for an operations software platform that will make an immediate impact on your business, visit breezeway.io slash proven principles to learn more. Anyone who listens to the show knows that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes into running an accommodations business. Whether it's a hotel or short-term rental property, preparing, maintaining, and communicating with guests and employees is the name of the game. That's where Breezeway's best-in-class property care and operations platform comes in. Their easy-to-use tools help you automate, coordinate, and communicate with guests and staff in a seamless way. Plus, Breezeway integrates with over 30 PMS and IoT devices, meaning you can easily harness data to enable your staff, make work more efficient, build better schedules, improve quality assurance, harness guest texting, provide comprehensive owner reporting, and so much more. If you're looking for an operations software platform that will make an immediate impact on your business, visit breezeway.io slash proven principles to learn more. When we started this business and something we try to carry through to today is like, ideally we're putting people in uniforms where they punch out for the night and they can take their vest off or their apron off, roll the sleeves up on their shirt, untuck it, and go have a couple drinks at the bar down the street. They don't have to like go to their car and change because they're in some embarrassing uniform. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Jim Snedeker. He's the co-founder and CEO of Stock Manufacturing Group, a Chicago-based custom uniform company for the hospitality industry. Is there anything more of a hot button topic in a hotel or restaurant than uniforms? I don't think there is. Whether it's personal style or budgets, if you've ever worn or been responsible for purchasing uniforms, you'll know that there's few topics out there that bring out such strong opinions. What's interesting is that the landscape for uniforms has been changing over time. The days of heavy, uninteresting, one-size-fits-all clothing is making way for more contemporary design that can live between both work and social life. Plus, it's the understanding that uniforms play such a huge role in telling the story of an establishment, and in many cases can actually act as a recruiting or retention factor that's driving this. This episode tries to highlight some of the trends and hurdles to be aware of with the uniform program, and what you should have an eye on if you intend to dive into this deep end of the pool. Jim also has a 20% off your first order offer for listeners at the end of the show. So be sure to listen for that. So let's get to it. This is episode 82 of the Proven Principles podcast, Jim Snedeker on how hospitality and fashion are more connected than ever before. Enjoy. Jim, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, Before we dive too deep, why don't you give everybody a quick rundown of who you are, what you're up to, like what's, what's the origin story here? Yeah, sure. So my name is Jim Snedeker. I'm the founder and CEO of Stock Manufacturing, and we're a a high-end workwear company. We make custom uniforms for hotels, restaurants, resorts, retail operations. Uh, We started the business almost 10 years ago as a a men's fashion brand and evolved over time due to some some, uh, lucky circumstances and a couple of good strategic calls, uh, evolved into this uniform business that you see today. 
uniforms, anybody who's listening right now who's ever dealt with uh, either their own uniform being put together with staples and tape on the inside or, you know, or on the other end, you know, being asked for uniforms and there's not enough money in the budget. I feel like this is just such a hot topic that, you know, uh, light, like you can walk it through landmines here. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... We, you know, we started the business by doing, we, we were leveraging our fashion design and manufacturing backgrounds to create really high-end custom projects for places like Alinea Restaurant Group, Soho House, um, Lettuce Entertain News, like higher-end places. So, so, so kind of big places with big budgets and the time to do custom. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we went on, we realized that a lot of the problems that folks were, that places were having were that they wanted nice uniforms. They wanted to look retail quality. They wanted to differentiate their brand, but they didn't have the ability to order a hundred units custom or to wait six to eight weeks and replenish with minimum order quantities as well. So that's how we really evolved the business to where it is now, where if you go on our website, anything on there is available um, to ship almost immediately. And there's no MOQs involved and you get discounts based on tiered pricing. It's baked right into the website. So mm-hmm. That's been our approach. We still do the hyper custom stuff for the clients that want it, um, but we've also put together a very curated uh, front of house uniform solution that feels very custom, but is available out of the box. One of the things that, uh, in my experience with uniforms, is that there's uh, not a lot of variation as time goes on. <clears throat> so, like, and which, which I, is important on on one oh. end of the spectrum because you know you don't want all of the things that you spend a lot of time picking from a catalog with, a, with, the, with some of the major uniform suppliers that are out there to right. not be uh, in their catalog anymore going forward. And that just creates all kinds of issues. But at the same time, I imagine um, on your side, having custom uniforms and a catalog of kind of ready to go more uh, stock uh, style uniforms. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that inventory internally to make sure that people don't run into that issue of something running out. Yeah. I mean, it's always a challenge because you might have a certain product that sells very few units for two or three months. And then you have a new hotel open and they order up all your inventory. And then all of a sudden you have a restaurant that wants that stuff two days later and you haven't restocked it yet. So um, there are definitely those cases where it, it, that comes up, but for the most part, we just, we kind of know the cadence at which we sell. We pay attention to when volume gets low and, uh, place reorders as soon as things start looking low on a, a, a by size or by skew mm-hmm. basis. Um, one of the questions here that comes to mind is, you know, uniforms um, play such a big role in the the look, the feel, the aesthetic of a property. And I understand you, you're you're impetus to focus on the higher end side of the business, mm-hmm. uh, at least from the jump when you guys started off. Um, do you find that in the higher end shops that there's more of an understanding of this or is that kind of bleeding into some of the, the, the I hate to say lower end, but maybe, you know, more budget conscious uh, hotels and restaurants? Where, kind of where, where's the divider here? Yeah. So you know, we, if you look at our pricing, especially when you start getting into higher volume ordering with us, like we're, we're very competitive with even places like Cintas, you know, we're not going to touch a lot of the, the rental price, 
the rates for the rental stuff that they have, but for the more customer, more higher quality front of house stuff, like we can get pretty comparable on price there. Um, so we do work with places that are small, have smaller budgets. That was a lot of the impetus behind us starting to carry inventory versus making everything custom. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of depends. I mean, there's places that are really big established um, hospitality groups or hotel groups where they're extremely budget conscious. And there are places that are really small 30 person, you know, 30 table restaurants that want to invest in their uniforms because they want to, to set themselves apart from the local competition. Mm -hmm. It really just depends. A, a lot of it too is where, where do people come from? What's their background, right? If you, if you start your, your career in a Hilton garden Inn and, and or at a Howard Johnson or whatever, like your entire approach to purchasing and budgeting for uniforms is totally different than if you're uh, the F and B director at a Four Seasons. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, so point. that's that. That's where it tends to to come is just people who really see the value in uniforms as a part of your brand, or people that view uniforms as a line item, and all they can think about is the turnover and the cost. To, you know, that is a as a bottom line item. Yeah. Um, the the old way of looking at uniforms was obviously to have some distinction between staff and and guests or staff and, and customers. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fundamentally that's one of the main reasons why there was there. But you know, there's there's also some team building and commonality and having everybody dress the same. If you've ever gone to like a beach cleanup with your you know your restaurant or your hotel as a group and they give mm -hmm. you the t-shirts, you know, there's sort of some like there's some pride in distinguishing yourself from everybody else that you're on. You're, you're with a different group of people, mm -hmm. but it's in my anecdotally, as time's gone on, it seems to me like the approach to uniforms has gone uh, less, has moved away from more conservative um, sort of one size fits all very bland kind of mm -hmm. back of, I'm, I'm talking front of house here. I mean, obviously chef whites are yeah, chef whites, sure. um, but Moving a little bit more towards contemporary look and feel, not so much of a difference between the customer and the employee. What what what's going on in the kind of with the state of play and how uniforms are being perceived today? Yeah, so I think a lot of it is uniforms being perceived now as part of the brand identity of a restaurant, and in general, um, branding and the more experiential things have become much more of a mainstream part. I mean, you've always had restaurants that cared a lot about all of those small design and brand details, but it's become a much more mainstream um, way of operating. So from our perspective, you're opening a new high-end uh, steakhouse, right? In, in downtown Chicago, you've hired a uh, Avrico to do your interior design you've got, uh, and, and your architecture, you've got someone, you've hired someone to do your, all of your iconography, your, your menus are beautiful. Your cocktail menu is beautiful. You've even hired someone to come and design the sound in your space. So it's the right atmosphere. You're hiring someone to, to curate playlists for you. So it's the right music going at the right time. And then you have your server show up to your table in like a starched, polyester maroon shirt with like black boot cut chinos on. And then the server next to him is wearing that same shirt in a pair of skin tight black jeans. And it's just like, you've all of a sudden just be, been jarred out of that 
that experience, right? You're, you're looking at these guys. Now you're like, Oh wow. They had everything dialed in. And now this is just kind of like taking me out of that experience where, whereas if you're in this place and someone comes like a, a crisp white suit jacket with a, uh, like a silk black tie and a custom tie bar with your logo across it, that just, that screams elevated versus just this employees here temporarily uh-huh. to serve you your food and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is it fair to say that, that, uh, uniform clothing is, is becoming more, um, uh, like you would find in a retail environment, meaning like, you know, the gone to your point, gone are like the, the starch, you know, kind of not very appetizing or pleasing colors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, heavy fabrics, uh, super durable can be washed a thousand times. Are they becoming a little bit more, uh, I don't even know the right word to say, not contemporary, yeah, but re- retail worthy. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so that it's funny you ask that because that's pretty much was the, the impetus impetus behind our, when our aha moment for this business, when we were speaking to more and more GMs and F and B directors and finding out that they were literally buying uniforms from J crew, which I've done that great. Yeah. <laughs> they look great, but then they're, they're discontinued the next year. You can't get a hold of anyone to tell you when, when it'll be back in stock. Um, if you're short a couple sizes, no one's going to make that for you. Um, there's no customer service rep to talk to other than the, the generic J crew rep. So we found that like it was happening a lot or, or even the hostess was going with the owner's credit card to Nordstrom to buy dresses for the, for the hostesses team that night. Right. So the way we approach it was like, listen, we're not going to, we're not going to beat Cintas or Aramark at their game. Right. We're, we're not there for the most part, they're, they're laundry companies that, and, and yeah. you know, like their uniform business is basically the, the laundry and the rental fees. Um, and we're just, we're never going to approach that scale. That niche is already so well taken care of, but we have a fashion brand that's been featured in a lot of magazines and we have a nice little cult following. We know what we're doing. We've been at this long enough and we can create uniform collections that look like they came from J crew or suit supply or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you have the guaranteed continuity. You have the customer service. You have the, you know, we're, we're very, we pay a lot of attention to supply chain, the the logistics behind an opening of a new venue and and understand that world. Um, And then on top of all that, we've taken a lot of our garment expertise and, um, made the products so they do stand up to washing in use more so than like a traditional like for example our oxford shirts look and feel like a, a regular button-down oxford you get anywhere else but we do we have a proprietary blend of, of fabrics in there and they're about 25 percent polyester mm-hmm. so they don't feel polyester they still have that soft cottony hand feel but they are going to be more wear resistant stain resistant wash resistant shrink resistant mm-hmm. than just a traditional cloth hundred percent cotton shirt. And that's an important distinction. I think, you know, we learned about this in the housekeeping world, uh, with bed sheets. It's kind of the, it's a similar principle where, uh, you know, the, the, if you go and you buy, uh, the same sheets at, you know, wherever you get your sheets, Nordstrom or bed, bath and beyond, uh, and put them in your hotel, you're not going to get the same wear and durability out of them, even though they, they, they look great. You need that blend of fabrics, uh, mm-hmm. right. To make it, and I don't want to make this, you know, this is not a fabric discussion, but it's, I think it's interesting yeah. that you're taking the same principles that, uh, um, that, you know, we, if you've ever bought bed linen in a hotel, you, you've, you've gone down this road before. 
Yeah. Um, what's what's important when it comes to deciding what direction you're going to go with uniforms? You know, I, I, the budget discussion almost always drives this, um, and there's there's a lot of concerns about uh, turnover and how, how you deal with you know passing uniforms mm-hmm. on to the next person. Um, you know, how many parts do people get? Are they laundering them at home? Or are you sending them out somewhere? There's there's a lot that kind of goes in in those back end discussions. So you know, as you're going in and having a conversation with not not a new not a new opening restaurant or hotel because that's that's a different beast. You've got an established business that has a core set of uniforms right now that they mm-hmm. they have a problem and they need to fix. What what's the first thing that you go and try to assess? Man, it, so it's funny because I was just talking to my our. I had a meeting with our marketing director yesterday, and he was asking me a similar type of question of who's who's your primary buyer, who's the person you're normally talking to, and that answer is so different across the board. Like we're sometimes it's a procurement person, sometimes it's a F and B director, sometimes it's a GM, sometimes it's ownership. Really depends on the place. Um, and that answer kind of applies to how we approach solving problems, especially for an existing venue. Um, it, it depends on the type of place, how they're approaching us and what, what questions they're asking us and what problems they have. Very, I'll give you like a, a good example is very often someone will come to us from a restaurant and they say, I, I, you know, I've seen your stuff. I like it. Um, so-and-so wore it when they worked at such and such place. And, and they turned me on to you guys. Um, we're working with X company right now and they're, uh, they no longer offer this item or they're having trouble keeping this item in stock. Those are the two biggest reasons why someone comes to us and wants to, to, to utilize us because they've just can't get it done with their current vendor. It's almost never price-based, right? Like, I mean, obviously no one's coming to us and saying, we need to do well. People do come to us to do things less expensively because they've been getting all their suits from Suit Supply or or whatever. Um, but the the approach to that is is really like asking them as many questions as possible to find out what the real issue is. Like, do you not like the way your staff looks, or do you not like that they're that you're having trouble keeping stuff in stock? Because a lot of times people come to us, they want us to design the uniforms for them, and then they're like, "Well, we're doing this right now, and we like this apron, and we've done this." And all of a sudden, you're just kind of recreating their old uniform, um, right? So it's really uncovering, are they looking for a new aesthetic direction for the place? Or are they just sick of their current vendor? Um, so it, it really, those conversations go, can go in two different ways. And it brings up an interesting point about, you know, fashion trends and, you know, what what's hot, like seasonally versus what's a mainstay. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you approach that when it comes to uniforms? Because you want it to be... Contemporary, I imagine, but you don't want it to be trendy. Right. So there are a couple of smaller uniform companies I've seen out there that really focus on like contemporary fashion as a uniform offering. And there are places like we've, we've lost business to places that really want stuff avant-garde and unique and out there. And it's just, it's not, we're, our business is not a place where it makes sense for us to make 24, like, Japanese smock shirts with a um, custom hand painted lettering on the back. Like it's just, that's not our business. So we've had to kind of go in that direction because that is the type of stuff we used to do a lot more, right? Like really, so like we can execute on projects like that. 
I mean, that's, we have a fashion design background and, um, but it's, it's really, we, there's not a lot of trend chasing in the, in the restaurant world, um, in the interior design aspect there is. So we have to make sure that like, you know, the way things have gone now, it's much more kind of light and airy and Scandinavian with some like kind of boho touches is a lot of what the trends you're seeing now, as opposed to that, like dark wood and leather and, and you know, the, the mixology type bars that you used to see seven, eight, nine, 10 years ago. Um, so making sure that we have offerings where the, the fabric is a softer, um, lighter feel and it drapes better having, um, softer and lighter colors in our apron offering. Um, you know, we don't really have, if you go on our website, we don't have a two button suit coat that you can just buy off the rack. We can make those, but we do have like, uh, unstructured sort of workwear inspired blazers that are trendy and cool, but like they can plug in on pretty much any body type in any location. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Cause it's, it's sort of, uh, it's tough to say that, but you're right. We don't chase trends. Um, we just try to define an aesthetic for our brand and our business. And that attracts the type of clientele that want to work with us. Um, it's, you brought up, you know, the, uh, male versus female, uh, a little bit, those, those uniforms there. How do you typically approach that? Cause you know, there's <clears throat> the, the, the unisex sizing obviously doesn't work for anybody. Um, but then at the same time, finding things that are the same across both types of clothing can be tough to do. How do you marry yeah. that? So everything, everything we make, we offer in a men's and a women's cut specifically, like a specific men's and women's cut. The way the vast majority of our uniform programs have gone and the way our offering looks on the website is we're basically making a female version of male items mm. often, right? So like if you go to a, a, a bar we work with and they're, the guys are in a button down white shirt with a gray tweed vest and a pair of black stretch denim on, the girl's in the same thing, right? Like a, a female cut of that same vest, a female cut of that shirt. We've begun evolving. Um, we'll always offer that because a lot of people, it's just simple for them to like, this is the uniform, the men and the women both wear mm -hmm. it. But um, we've started adding into our, our offering now um, fully feminine takes on uniform pieces. So we have a couple of different like trendy blouse offerings now based on cool, fashionable, um, kind of timeless women's things. We're offering pants that aren't just a female version of a Chino, but more like a, a you know, a wide leg or, a, a, um, an ankle cropped pant, just things that are a little bit more feminine and on, and on trend, mm -hmm. if you will, um, versus just always d defaulting to putting the women in a female version of a men's. Yeah. Uniform. Yeah. Why do you think uniform and you've had a lot of conversations with owners and GMs and that why do you think uniforms are usually an afterthought i'm curious to get your take on this i mean i i know that the internal discussions that go on and why that mm -hmm. could be the case um but i'm here i'm curious to hear you know from your side the person who's selling the uniforms to the mm -hmm. business what are some of the things that you run up against well a huge part of it is no one hires their staff until right before they open so they're not thinking about what people are going to wear because they haven't met those people yet and they don't see those people. Um, that is something we run into all the time. Another part of it is like, you know, like you said, it's, it's a little bit newer trend to like pay attention for all of these, for so many, for everybody to be paying attention to uniforms versus just like 
a select super trendy high-end restaurants and hotels. So um, I think it's not necessarily second nature to have that as part of your opening checklist. Like, and it's also a, frankly, a smaller investment than hiring, uh, an architecture firm. And it, you know, it's less time intensive than picking your FF and E, you know, it's just, it's, it's a smaller kind of thing that is not such a traditional part of restaurant pre-opening. And on top of that, staff isn't here yet. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's also one of those things that people have very strong feelings about, you know, they, yes. and a lot of times they, they know what they don't like, but they don't know what, what they want at the same time. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when I see it, that's a lot of the, uh, <laughs> right. uh, I'll, I know what I don't like and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I do like when I see it. And, um, the, you know, the classic everyone in every, every industry knows this, but it still happens all the time where, uh, you know, for every new person that gets introduced to the uniform decision-making process, you can add two weeks of lead time onto your, onto your oh my God, decision-making at least. process. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been on conference calls and, and email chains where there's nine people picking out a shirt and apron and a pair of pants. And it's like, just, you came to us because we have an expertise in this. Like, let us get the, the ideas in front of you and then have the person that is the final decision maker make that decision. Because, yeah. um, you know, design by committee often ends up, you just end up in the weeds. You know, you just brought up uh, something I'm still recovering from. <laughs> Years ago, yeah. I, had to, I had to redo the uniform program for a, a resort. Every, okay. every, every uniform in the entire place. Um, and it was a monumental task, uh, to do. And, and I, I still go back and forth on this. We, we did the, the decision by committee piece. Um, mm -hmm. and I think it was easy to get our recommendations approved by owners. Once we gave them a couple of options to look at and their reasoning behind those options, where this, mm -hmm. where it got, all got bogged down was when we got the staff involved and we got their input on the uniforms. Mm -hmm. And I, honestly go back and forth on this because if you got to get a project finished, you, sometimes you want as few people involved as possible. At the same time, yes. you're dictating what these people are going to wear on a daily basis, how they're going to represent the brand. They have to feel good and comfortable in what they're wearing, but everybody brings their, their aesthetics, their preferences, mm -hmm. their, you name it when it comes to clothing. And everybody's got a million reasons why this white shirt won't work. So I, I don't really have a point here, but you just, it kind of brought back this memory. You're just talking about this decision by committee thing. Cause it is, I, I don't know the right way to go on it. Yes. H having staff buy into the uniform programs important, but to me, that's something where you should be getting a good amount of data from your staff and not just having one or two people bring an bring anecdote. Like one um, example of that, which is a, the, uh, kind of a non sequitur, but funny. I have, we have a client, great client of ours, um, and they were they emailed urgently, and this is early on in our relationship with them. They emailed me urgently saying the the staff was very disappointed with the uniforms; they're not fitting right. No one looks very good. Blah blah. So I was like, I'll I'll be there tomorrow, and I got in a flight and I flew out and met with the GM, met with uh, the the F and B director. And then they showed me the pictures and it was one staff member and it was a woman who did not like the cut of the woman's shirt. So she was wearing a men's shirt. 
So it was too tight across her chest, but baggy everywhere else. And she doesn't look good. I'm like, well, right. She doesn't look good because she's in a, a men's shirt. Yeah. They're like, well, she doesn't like the women's shirt. I'm like, I mean, we're not going to change your, you guys want to change your whole uniform program because the, the shirt looks bad on one person. So that's important where like you need to synthesize the data, right? You need to make sure that you're not jumping to conclusions from one or two pieces of, of feedback. And that if you're going to bring the staff involved, get everyone's feedback and whittle it down to like, Hey, this fabric is really uncomfortable yeah. and they're not happy. Well, they're not just like, Oh, this isn't my style. What? Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause you know, those, those objections can be uh, very strong and you find mm-hmm. yourself very quickly in a position where you have uh, one, two, maybe a bunch of staff saying, we're not going to wear this. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously even that, that climate has changed a little bit, even in the last couple of years, you know, where you're, you're, you should always be making your staff happy and listening to what they say. But I think in the last couple of years, it's, it's become even more pronounced that like, we'll, we'll dump this if two people don't like it because we need, we need to keep these people on staff. Um, now more than ever. So, right. <laughs> totally. Um, so I get that. And, you know, part of when we started this business and something we try to carry through to today is like, ideally we're putting people in uniforms where they punch out for the night and they can take their vest off or their apron off, roll the sleeves up on their shirt, untuck it and go have a couple drinks at the bar down the street. They don't have to like go to their car and change because they're in some embarrassing uniform. Right. So like that, that definitely matters to us. And that's another thing that, that we, that we sell on is like, your staff should be, should have high morale. They should be happy. And like, I can say from personal experience as a server, wearing like a dumpy, frumpy, uncomfortable, ugly uniform, like makes you dislike your, it makes you feel less highly about your job Mm -hmm. because you kind of feel like shit and you don't like the way you look. And it sends a message that the, the, the employers don't really care about you beyond you just being a line item. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it makes me think about those statement uniforms that you see. Oftentimes hotel doormen are the ones that wear them. Um, and there's a place in San Francisco where the, they have an, uh, this hotel, the doormen wear these beef eater style uniforms, oh, yeah. uh, out front and, you know, it's iconic and everybody knows it. And you, you know, as soon as you see it, you know, that that's the property, but I've always wondered like, if I was in that, and maybe I'm not the right person to ask, but like, yeah. would I wear that? I don't know if I would, if I was, you know, yeah. it, it, I guess it brings up the the question, are those statement pieces, I understand why at one point in history, a hotel or a restaurant may have gone that way. But is mm-hmm. that starting with just with kind of the way that society and culture is today, the way, you know, everything that we're talking about, are those statement uniforms going away? And is it, is it becoming more that sort of in-between place between work and, and, and going out with your friends afterwards? Yeah. I mean, you know, we work with a ton of places where the uniforms are not something you would just have in your closet to wear. Right. Um, I think the costumey uniforms are going away. Uh, like you don't, you don't see a lot of people dressed in like in themed stuff like that anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, like we're, if you're working with a, like a high end omakase place at a sushi restaurant, like you might have them in some 
Japanese inspired stuff that is really sleek and minimalist. It may not be uh, something that you would buy at like a regular clothing store, but it fits with the aesthetic of the place without being costumey. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good distinction. Costumey versus, you know, something that yeah. you don't mind going on break to Starbucks in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we like um, having uniforms that make the staff look like, like they, they blend in with the, the personnel there and with the, the design of the space, but it's cohesive and they're set apart. So you know that they're the staff because they're in a cohesive uniform, but they don't look out of place and jarring inside the type of venue that they've taken care crafting. Yeah. Something that just came to mind uh, before we wrap the show here, uh, just a couple more questions. The In that same vein of the non-costumey style of uniform, but something that's authentic to the room, maybe not a fair question to ask somebody who owns and runs a uniform company, <laughs> but with the exception of some of those... Um, I don't want to say themed restaurants, but like, you know, Amakasi style restaurants, things like that, Ooh. where there's a very clear use case to, to put the staff in a very particular look versus Ooh. like, you know, the American bar down the street. Is there Ooh. a move towards doing away with uniforms completely? Or it, do you see, how do you see this evolving over the next, you know, however many years? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, some of my favorite, Restaurants uh, in the country, and, and specifically in Chicago, don't utilize uniforms. Um, I can give you probably the place I go to the most frequently, um, either for a quick bite or a drink, is Longman and Eagle, which is right down the street from my house in Logan Square in Chicago. Um, they've been Michelin starred. They are very famous. It's a destination place when people come from out of town, but also a, a local. You know, they got an insane whiskey list. You go there, have a drink at the bar, or you go for a $400 dinner. Um, and their uniform has always been wear whatever you want, you know, is generally jeans and like band t-shirts, you know, it's like kind of a very like rock and roll, um, laid back, cool aesthetic. Uh, but over the last couple of years, they've started ordering waist aprons. Like their kitchen staff is in our bib aprons and they've started ordering waist aprons from us just to have one unifying element among the staff. Right. So it's, it's dark colored. It's not, it doesn't, it blends into the, the space, but like all of their servers are dressed in their own stuff, but they have this one unifying element from us. Brings it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think there's the, the no uniform thing has been a thing for a long time. Yeah. And I don't see that becoming any more or less pronounced recently. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they're moving into having something that's a little more unifying? Uh, I mean, what they told me is they just, they wanted to have a little bit of def differentiation mm. from staff. Yeah. To, so it still comes back to, to that at the end of the day. Customer. Yep. Yeah. Um, just something to t turn the volume up a little bit. What is the, the one thing, you know, and these, these questions are always tough. I recognize that, but you know, if you're, if somebody reaches out to you, uh, as a, res a result of this show or just, you know, within your network, What's something that you need from them to bring to the table to, to make this whole uniform buying and design process smoother from the start? How do you set them up for success so that you can go out and do what you need to do? 
So what we like in an ideal scenario, if we're not able to go see the space in person, it, let's talk pre-opening right now, okay? Not, not an existing place switching over, but a, a pre-opening. We want to see design renderings of the space. We want to see uh, the brand identity. So what's your mission statement? What's your iconography? All that stuff. Um, we want to speak to the decision makers and get a sense of what they're interested in, what they're looking for, what they don't like. You know, if, if someone hates Hen Henleys, they don't want a Henley shirt anywhere in their venue. We want to know that up front before we put that in the designs. Um, and then also a rough count of positions and estimated headcount by position. Okay. Because if, if we're, we're not going to design something that has a custom item included in it, if you're only going to have six people in that position on staff, right? That's, we will build based exclusively off our in-stock program if there's not the headcount to support anything custom. Yeah. And what's the typical timeline? <laughs> that depends a lot on <laughs> oh, the, the how quickly we, how quickly we get feedback yeah. from the people. I mean, obviously, um, obviously, you need more than a, a couple weeks, but right. Yeah. So for us, if if you hand over the the materials to us and we have that kickoff call, um, we can have designs for you. Depending on how busy we are, we can have designs within one to two weeks. It's usually usually never really takes more than two weeks. Um, so designs about that quickly. And then if we're sampling, it's going to take a few weeks to sample. Like if we're, if we have an item that's not a, a stocked item, take about three weeks to get a sample made. And then if we're doing custom production, four to six weeks right now, it's often closer to six because of the way things are. Um, but if it's an in-stock program, if we built, let's say you're opening a, a small boutique hotel and we do the front desk, the valet and the servers and bartenders at the restaurant. Um, and it ends up being, we do a, a custom pin to unify all the uniform pieces and then the whole rest of the program is in stock. We can get that stuff designed for you in a week and the pins will take a month, but we could ship most of the uniform items the day after you approve them. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, yeah it can be pretty quick. So, yeah. Yeah. We have, we have timelines where it takes a week and we have timelines where it takes six months. <laughs> like anything in our industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim, this is great. I appreciate you being on the show. If anybody wants to learn more about you or stock manufacturing, where should they go? You can go to www.stockmfgco.com. Sounds good. You can find everything there. I'll link to it in the show notes. Cool. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This was my episode with Jim Snedeker. You can learn more about him and Stock Manufacturing Group at stockmfgco.com. To get 20% off your first order with Stock Manufacturing, use code TPP20 at checkout. To hear past episodes or check out our other content, go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to the Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.